everybody. Uh, first of all, I shaved the back of my head and I am a dude. Uh, secondly, John, I cannot stay back this far. So I just want you to know I feel so far away. I'm going to make John mad, but um, I just feel like I'm going to go right down through this hole. Anyway, so if I, if I have like shadows, just, you know, pray for uh, special lighting from heaven. Uh, get your worship guides out. There's just no way I can be back that far. I feel like I'm in the back row. I'm a front row kind of guy. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek, and uh, we're in a series entitled God and Your Bod. And uh, we've, uh, we've been talking about a whole bunch of different things. Um, God and the body at rest. God and uh, pain in the body. Uh, we've talked about, you know, God in our physical body last week. And today we're going to talk about God and you and me in the body. And then next week we're going to talk about God and the body of Christ, communion. So today's kind of community, next week's communion. Can you guys all track with that? How many of you enjoyed this series so far? Have you enjoyed this, get a lot out of it? Good, praise the Lord. Um, we're going to get right into it. Uh, our, our, our text for today is from Romans chapter 12. I'm actually going to be reading from the message. It's a paraphrase of the scriptures. And I might read a verse or two extra from what you have. But I think in verse 4 you have that in your notes or your version guide or your... Or your uh, Bible, you can see that um, as well and follow along. It says, in this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. We are like the various parts of a human body. He draws an immediate, Paul draws an immediate uh, correlation between our physical body and the body of Christ, the church. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. We find our meaning in the big picture, the big body. Our body finds its meaning in the big body, if that makes sense. Uh, we find our meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. He's making it very clear. Amen. Uh, each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. Then it goes on to say, and this is not in your notes, but it's in, it's in, it's in the Bible. It says, but as we find our meaning and function as part of the body, but as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount too much, would we? In other words, as a part of the body, disconnected from the body, like a, a chopped off, you know, uh, finger or cut off toe, uh, we don't get that much done. We're not quite as effective. We might be like the Adams family hand, kind of creepy crawly, but we're really not going to accomplish much except freak people out. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's, let us go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to each other or trying to be something we aren't. Here's the thing. He's saying we're all made and fashioned incredibly. Some of us are a finger. Some of us are a toe. Some of us are, you know, a mouth. Some of us are kneecaps. Some of us... Uh, are less seen and, and, and invisible, but yet the Scriptures calls it indispensable and, and very critical and essential. But we're all parts of the body, but the body is kind of weird and ineffective if it is cut off like a toe or like a finger. It, it, it finds its purpose as a part, the body, as a part of the body whole. Is everybody tracking this morning? And so that, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. In Hebrews 10, 25, this is also in your notes, it says, For us as a body, let us not keep, give up meeting together. This is not talking about kind of 
the big meeting, the, the church meeting, it says, let's not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another. And then it says, and all the more. Everybody say all the more. All the more as you see the day approaching. The day of all days is really what it's talking about. It's going to be, it's going to get tougher. It's going to get harder as we approach the, the end times, as we approach or we are in the end times. It gets tougher to connect as a body. Has anybody noticed that? Anybody, you know, you know, feel that, 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 that everything's just kind of racing and moving at 100 miles an hour, and, and I want to be very upfront as your pastor. I want to say that I'm not going to try to manipulate you, trick you, or kind of come from the back door or surprise you with anything. No jack-in-the-box here this morning, but I, I, my agenda, my goal is to help you see the importance of you individually being a part of the body, your body being a part of the body. You being connected to a body, not, not a chopped off finger, not a cut off toe, as it said in Romans, but really connected. That's my goal, plain and simple, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The scriptures has all kinds of corollaries, parallels, uh, uh, analogies, illustrations to try to help us see the importance of being connected. In one place, uh, our, our actual vision for our church is taken from John chapter 15, where it talks about the vine and the branches. And it says in that, there's one verse in that particular chapter, it says, apart from me, the vine, you, editorially, can do nothing, it says. We're, we, it's, and it, and it's, it instructs us and encourages us and exhorts us to remain in him. Like, meaning sometimes we, we pull, pull away like, I got it, you know, backseat Jesus, you know, I'm good. Keep, keep him in the rearview mirror, you know. But branches are, are meant to be connected to a tree, otherwise they, they wither, maybe not Im- immediately, but they wither and die eventually. And they're not meant to stand alone. We could be a branch a cut-off toe, a finger, whatever the Bible sometimes used to illustrate, we're supposed to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Another way to explain this, and I did this uh, over a year ago, standing on this stage. What, what is this, guys? Extension cord. Some people would call it a, a, power, a power cord. And um, how, how much power is in this right now? Absolutely nothing. I mean, in other words, unless it is plugged into that wall over there, uh, it, has, it has the potential now because it's plugged in that wall over there, but unless it's then in turn plugged into something else, it's useless. It's meaningless. Its significance is, you know, found being plugged into a source and then connected into some apparatus. And, and, the, and the reality is that you and I, you and I are power cords. And disconnected, this, this is what the Bible says, and I'm going to unpack it as we go forward. Disconnected, we are powerless. We are useless. We're just, we're just power cords in a table, in a closet somewhere. God wants us to be plugged in to him and to some, some other people. That's his plan. That's the way he does it. That's actually the way, in many cases, he reveals his purpose. As, as I'll conclude the message today, I'll share with you how that's how I found my purpose in life, was realizing what a power cord was all about. Because connected, we become carriers of the current of Christ. Connected. Say that. I'm a carrier of the current of Christ. 
That's what happens when you're plugged in and plugged into someone else. And so I want to encourage you as an individual, as a couple, or as a family uh, to get plugged in. Because if not, you're walking alone and it's dangerous to walk alone. You may say, oh, I don't feel that alone. You won't feel alone until it's too late, oftentimes. If you haven't built that relational safety net, you may not think you're alone, but your friends might be with you for the wrong reasons, perhaps. Or maybe they're not really friends, and sometimes we don't know until it's tested. But we need to do life with others who are going in the right direction and, and have the right connections. And that requires us to be intentional. So I want to I talk about why walk alone. Look in your notes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. Why walk alone? Well, there was a man, the scripture says, uh, all alone. There was a man all alone. In other words, you can have a crowd around you sometimes, but you can actually still be alone. This message is dedicated to you. You may think you are uh, not alone, but sometimes you might be deceived and not know it until, again, calamity, or as I like to say, sinkholes of life kind of come. And, and notice what happens to this guy who was all alone. It says he had neither son nor brother. And this isn't just talking about a biological family. It's talking about someone who, felt, who, you, who he felt close enough to uh, that, it, that it was like family. Sometimes the scripture refers to that. It's better a friend near you than a, you know, uh, you know, than a than a than a family or a brother member, a brother or sister far away. So you you have that close person right near you. It says there was no end to his toil. In, in other words, in this messed up, crazy world, God never he never intended you to walk alone in this messed up world. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth, meaning. The, the, the substitutes of this life, the things that this life tries to offer to satisfy, you know, the hobbies, the sports, the recreational outlets, the, the weekend gigs and getaways, all that kind of stuff, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't satisfying. All that wasn't fulfilling, but, it, but ultimately it made him empty. Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we walk alone? Why do we find ourselves separated, isolated, insulated from other people? And here's what I believe in. I believe there's some real reasons, and I believe there's some real excuses. And I want to give you some of these reasons and see if they relate to you as we go forward. And these, these, these are just a few reasons. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, okay? If you're not taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down. All right, here's the first one. All right, some of the reasons we walk alone. Naivety, okay? We're naive, I, I, didn't think, I didn't think this was needed. I thought I was good. I came into this world alone. <laughs> I didn't know any better. Some of you have never seen or heard of the kind of relationships that we're going to talk about today, and you just didn't know what you didn't know. Uh, you, you're up on what you're up on, you're down on what you're down on. You just didn't know. And some of us like to do stuff alone. We, our culture's conditioning us to do stuff alone because we think that, that we're tough or we think that's just the way you're supposed to be and we're okay on our own. I heard, <laughs> I've told this story before, but I heard a funny story about uh, a, a former uh, boxing champion. How many have heard of Muhammad Ali? Muhammad Ali, right? I mean, he was, all, he was awesome. Well, I guess one time he was on a plane and, and the announcer got on the plane, you know, to tell everybody that we're getting ready to take off. And so everybody needs to kind of, you know, back then they didn't say put away every gadget, gizmo, you know, crackberry on the planet like we have today. But uh, everything's got to kind of be put away and, uh, and, and you need to buckle your seatbelts. And so he, the, the, the stewardess is walking up and down the aisles and she's telling people to put their seat back up and put your tray up and you're going to have to, you know, put this away, put that away and put, you know, put your buckle up, etc. And so she gets to Muhammad Ali and she says, excuse me, sir, but you're going to need to buckle your seatbelt. To which he said, and this isn't a good, a good impersonation, he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. 
She says, well, Superman don't know how to fly a plane, so buckle up. So if you're Superman, you need to buckle up, buddy, you know? And, uh, and so you need to get this kind of uh, Muhammad Ali attitude out of us where we think we're okay, that we're, 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 we can fly solo, we can, we can fly a plane, we're, we're, we have this, this, this attitude that I don't need to buckle up. But life sometimes requires us to buckle up a little bit. The next thing, uh, n- another reason, uh, whether it be a real reason or it be kind of an excuse, I would put this more in the excuse category, is our temperament. Our temperament. I, I'm, I'm just not an outgoing person. I'm shy. I'm shy. I'm kind of an introvert. And uh, that's just the way I am. Sometimes we, we make excuses like that. It's just the way I am. Listen, you were created to be an interdependent being. Not independent, just me, myself, and I, or codependent, where you're leaning on someone uh, exclusively, and if they fall, you fall. No, God created us to be connected to him and to other people, connected to him and practicing and working the things out in our relationship with God with other people. In fact, you, it's, it's tons of scripture on this and tons of examples on this, but you can't say you're okay with God if you're not okay with your spouse. You can't say that you love God and, and you're, 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 you, have, you have enmity towards your brother. You know, so th- this, is a, this is an interdependent uh, relationship that we're supposed to have, and, and you need others. And at some point, you'll find that out. Like scripture talks about that. A three-fold cord is not easily broken, but pity the man who has, when you fall, that has no one there to pick him up, it says. Are you tracking with me this morning? And so, so we can't, it might be harder for you. Your natural inclination, uh, uh, your natural tendencies might make it more difficult, but it doesn't mean that you're not, not supposed to be connected. Here's another one. This one's more connected to what I would be like, but fear, fear. Like if, if, if I go to a small group, <laughs> what's going to happen when I get there? In other words, sometimes you have to dispel the myth before you can get the message in. Sometimes you have to overcome some of the uh, obstacles. I mean, just making the phone call for some people scares people, freaks them out. You know, and so in our, in our, in our church culture, we have a free market small group model. The, the, the leader's passions kind of dictate the type, the landscape, the countenance of the groups within our, our Connect family. And so sometimes those groups, uh, they can change from semester to semester. And, and, and people, they can, meet, they can be relationally based, interest based, need based, biblical, topical, etc. And so you have the opportunity each and every semester to call those people up. And, and, and you know, and in our church, we have, you know, approximately two dozen groups to pick from. And, and so what you do is you, you call them up. And, and I would just say, I know what that's like, you know, but, but just, just trust that, that God will lead you through that. You know, sometimes you can just call somebody up, you know, and, and you can just tell. Just, you, can, you just know in the first few words. You, they're just acting kind of goofy and weird, and King James is coming out of their mouth. Not that there's anything wrong with King James, Charlie Erickson, relax. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But they're just, you know, hitherto, whithersoever, you know, God's, yo, know, his spirit, woo, you know, they're just, and you're like, okay, never mind, that's okay, you know what I mean, you're just hang it up. You just know, and call somebody else up, and then, you know, you start talking to, like, Lori Dudley, not Charlie Erickson, and, and you just, you just, wow, this, this girl is, I, I connect, you know, I, I think this one's the group for me, and maybe you're fired up in your faith, and you're ready to go deeper, and, 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 and uh, not deep like that guy was talking about on the video earlier, but, uh, um, you know, because that's shallow, but real, you want to grow, and you can just tell from that connection, but you make that phone call, and, 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 and you just got to overcome that fear, and the next step sometimes that 
freaks people out is to actually visit a home. <laughs> you know, it's like go out of big church, big meeting, and go into kind of small church and small group. And maybe you've never been to that kind of thing. And it kind of, it, it feels, the enemy tries to threaten you with many, many fears. And, and it can seem like this huge step. And you've got this You've got this fear that when you walk through that front door, there's going to be like this chair in the middle of the room and, and, and people have encircled you like a pack of wolves and your name is on the chair and they call you in, you know, with eyes wide open, you know, and come have a seat, you know, we call this the hot seat, you know, and people are going to just like pray over you for like four hours and lay hands on you and Force, you know, and just try to get you to tell your deepest, darkest sins all in the first night. And I just want to say it's not going to happen. It's not like that, people. That's not, when you get there that first time, that's not going to happen. We save all that for the second week. Okay? All right. In my opinion, it's the devil trying to keep you from the most powerful, you know, effective, sometimes the most cohesive thing in your Christian faith because of fear. And I'm, I'm just asking you to put me to the test. Just try it. Make a commitment. Go four, five, six times and see what happens. Talk to somebody who crossed that threshold. Ask some questions. Talk to some of the leaders. But, but those of you who are in this room, you know, who, 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 who struggle, you know there's some things that are going on in your life. And, and this is the place for that. You know, you, you, some of us have secrets that only you know, not even your spouse, not even your closest friend. Maybe you don't even have a close friend. And you've often thought, what would happen if someone knew everything? That's what really intimacy is, truly. Whether you're a man or a woman, boy or girl, we have an innate desire to be loved as we are. Not fake or feign, but a con we want to be congruent. And there's something about being a poser and we're getting some things in the relationships as a poser. But deep down, it doesn't satisfy because the, we know they're not seeing the real us. But we're afraid. We're afraid to cross that threshold. And, but your life is not better holding it inside. And, and, and if, you do, if you won't go through some of those layers of trust or whatever. I heard this one story about these, these guys. They came into a group and... A small group, and they, they gained a lot of confidence through the group, began to share with one another. One guy, he said, uh, I've just, I just got to get some stuff off my chest, and I have, I, have a, I have a serious problem. I have a serious problem with lust. I have a serious problem with, with pornography, an issue there, and, it, and, I, and I, I desperately need to get free. It's affecting my relationship with my spouse, and I, I just... Just telling you guys makes me feel so much better just getting that off my chest. There were three guys in the group, and the other guy said, you know, I need to get something off my chest, and you've encouraged me, and I feel better. You know, I don't know what it is, but your confession promotes my confession, and, and I've never told anybody this, but I have a serious gambling problem. I mean, I can't even walk into a market. I can't go to a grocery store. I mean, never mind if, if, if I'm anywhere near, like, if I'm in Rhode Island, and go, want to go, I want to go to that casino right away. I got a problem, and it costs me a lot. It's, it's about to cost me everything. I put my family in debt. My wife doesn't even realize it. I've lost thousands, you know, in the stock market. All these things. I spent all my savings at, at casinos. I'm, I'm gambling online. I'm cheating on my taxes. And man, it feels so much better just telling you guys that, you know. And, and the last guy says, you know, I got to share something too. I got to let you know, uh, for my entire life, I have had an horrible, horrible problem with gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
And some of you, you're so worried that that that, that guy is going to be in your small group. And let me, say, let me just tell you something. The secret is when, you, when you're going through that, tell your stuff last. That's the secret. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go last. Go last. Go last. Anyway, I'm just trying to get through some of these myths. Here's the next. Here's a huge one also. Past experience. Everybody say past experience. Here's what keeps us from the, our bodies being part of the body is past experiences. We've been hurt in the past. Do you know that contrary to what the enemy tries to convince you of is that your hurt is keeping you from future opportunity? It's actually the things that hurt us most if we embrace them that can instruct us most. It's, it's actually, it, it doesn't have to define you, but it can educate you. It can inform you. It can, in fact, instruct you. But some of you here, here today and listening perhaps online, you've been hurt really bad by, by relationships. I, I understand that. I'm not trying to minimize that. You are wounded because of broken relationships. And I would say, I'm sorry that that's happened. Genuinely sorry that that has happened. But, but hear me strong. That, that incident or those incidents, those scenarios, those things that have happened to you, they cause sometimes for many who are not in the safety of relationships with God and with others to put a wall, to put a, to put a barrier around our heart. Some of us don't even realize we have it. I can sometimes tell, you know, when you try to give somebody a hug and they kind of go, you know, like this, like, you know, force field, you know what I mean? They just, it, it, there's just, there's, there's an awkwardness to that. It's usually a sign. Sometimes we have physical symptoms. Sometimes we have emotional symptoms. Sometimes we have verbal symptoms that there's a wall put around us. And, and whether inwardly or outwardly, many of us consciously, sometimes unconsciously have made a vow. I will never be hurt like that again. And so when you, when you allow that hurt to continue to sit there, it takes root and, and, it, and, it, and it grows, it festers. And so to deal with sometimes the, 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 the symptoms of that kind of hurt, it sometimes leads us to, instead of healthy relationships, it leads us to toxic relationships, sometimes toxic behaviors to numb and dumb and, and, and uh, release some of that pain. Let me just tell you something. Those things that happened to you were not random. They were orchestrated by the enemy himself to destroy you, to convince you that relationships won't grow you, they'll actually kill you. It's intentional. And you may not agree with this, and I don't really care, but relational issues are not accidental. They are masterminded sometimes by an enemy trying to impede your progress. And I believe instead of putting these walls up to ensure we never get hurt, I think we need to get healed. I think, we, I think we get healed, actually, in right relationships. Can I have an amen? There are places where you can be actually protected and, and, and not hurt. My, my wife and I, I was going to say, you know, we have learned, we are learning continuously to be intentional about relationships. You know, we, 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 we've been hurt. You know, it, uh, you know it, it's not a long track record, but, but I, can, I can recall you know, painful relational situations. But the flip side is there's no return without risk. And to, and to put walls up, you know, ministry leaders and ministry people, and you, some of you just think we pray and read our Bibles and show up on Sunday and say some school stuff, but there, 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 there's, there's so much more to that. But in ministry, like a lot of leaders get out, they quit. Like the, the seven-year thing uh, is not just marriage, it's ministry. Most ministers get out at seven years. They quit. Because they're overcome mostly by hurt and rejection. Because they're, and what happens is they put walls up. 
wall, 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 barriers of whatever to protect themselves. And it doesn't protect them. All it does is keep all that poison inside. And so I, I know there's risk, but there's no reward unless we uh, continue to um, walk in relationships. Otherwise, we're just kind of like walking dead people without people in my life, that, that's, what, that's what I would be like. And that's what you can be like if you're not careful. Here's another one to get a little less serious, and that is busyness. Busyness. Why do we walk alone? Because we're busy. Everybody say busy. This one is huge. I could do an entire message on this. It's epidemic. It's keeping us from God. It's keeping us from our wives. It's keeping us from our kids. We have to reintroduce ourselves to our kids every weekend. Uh, it's keeping us from a healthy life, as we talked about in the first week of this particular series. It's messing with us a lot. Do you agree? I mean, it's just crazy busy with the onset of technology and the internet. They said we were going to reduce our work week to 22 hours. It went up to 66 hours. The exact opposite. Oh, we're going to do more, you know, do more. And so we have a say yes culture to everything so we can do everything. And it's just made things crazy with school life and job life and hobbies and interests and even church. You have said yes to so many things uh, that things are kind of out of control, just out of control. And you know life is getting busy if you're a family person when, when you call the kids to the supper table and they run to the van. You know what I mean? Because they're so used to eating on the run and, and, and the McDonald's, you know, ash is, and Wendy's ash, and the bags and the trash are all still there. And I, I just want to take, I just want to challenge you to take a look at your schedule and see if your priorities are in the jar. The big rocks are in the jar and, 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 and do an inventory. Again, we're in the beginning of the year. Have you been looking at these things in your life? Have you been looking at your physical life? Have you been looking, is there a Sabbath in your life? Have you been looking at your schedules to see, are there margin for the things that are most important? Because relationships happen in the margins. You have to work, eat, sleep. Those are givens. Everything else is going to happen in the margins. And the less margin you have, the less relationship you have. And in those relationships with less margin, there's more stress. More stress. A lot of times, if, if, it's, if it's me, I do crisis counseling. Now, I don't really do marriage counseling anymore. But, but a lot of the marriage problems that exist today it's just stress you just you just pull if you just gave some people some time to talk instead of having to do it at 11 30 at night just before you go to bed when you're totally exhausted and the caffeine is wore out then 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 no wonder people go to bed angry no motive no wonder people you know don't talk about it bury it and then blow up later it's stress and so if you're not intentional about your relationship, then you're unintentionally, uh, you know, doing the wrong things and filling things with the wrong margins. And I can't believe how many people say to me, and this happened for years and years and years, you know, uh, we tell them, you know, you need to make small group a top priority above, you know, different things. Well, I can't afford to, you know, I'm already out eight nights a week. Wait, wait a second, eight nights a week? I thought it was seven and the, you know, it's just they're, they're nonstop. Well, maybe you need to, maybe you need to say no to something. And I think we all need a group. The, the damage from walking alone may not show up right away, but at some point, I'm telling you, I can put, I have names in my notes of people's lives that I, I watched who didn't heed what I'm saying. Can, I, can you handle this as a pastor? Like, you, they were sitting where you are, and they got picked off. You know? They were the most committed, uncommitted people. And then they just weren't connected. They weren't connected. Chuck Swindoll says, we all need each other. You need them and they need you. Isolated islands, we are not. 
To make this thing, this thing called life work, we need to lean and support, relate and respond, give and take, confess and forgive, reach out and embrace. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, all-powerful hotshot, then let's quit acting like we are one. Life is lonely enough without playing that silly game. Let's get together with other people. You know, there are people that, that I know and, 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 and I love and I care about and reach out to, and I was their only this is, this is wrong in one respect, but hear what I'm saying. I was their only lifeline. And it just kept throwing, throwing out the hook. Come on, come on back, come on back, come on back. And, and, and it, they had nobody, they, they didn't jump in. They didn't get connected. They, and as a result, they weren't prepared and they weren't protected for just tough stuff that happens in life. And, and when the tough stuff happens, it looks like it's all this, all of the sudden, it's this unpredictable stuff or whatever. But listen, when you start unraveling and pulling back all the circumstances and what happened right there, it all goes back to these seemingly small, unimportant decisions to allow this to come into my life and this to come into my life and this to come into life, and it took over the most important things in life. This is better preaching, but anyway, I'm trying to help somebody out there. God never intended you to walk alone. Why? What's the motivation? Why not walk alone? Because the answer is, and this is in your notes, but this is bonus, is why should we do life with other people for the sake of progress? progress. You, you are not growing. There's a phase in your life where you, you kind of stop growing. Some of us don't grow up. We grow out. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you, everybody, anyway. Um, but I got to get off of that because my brain goes in a different direction. I start wanting to tell jokes. Um, but we, we, we don't grow just because we're living. We have to be intentional about growth. And everybody sometimes, has, uh, subconsciously, we have this, I want to grow, I want to grow, I want to grow spiritually. Because we know spiritually, if we're growing spiritually, everything else will get better. You have to be intentional about that. And you need to get into structured relationships. And most of our relationships in life, uh, most of the relationships we have in this life chose you. Because we are acceptance magnets. But, to have, but sometimes those relationships that chose you are not best for you. Are you tracking with me? you just drawn into them because they accepted you, but they're not always the ones that are best for you. The ones that are best for you are the ones that actually you had to be intentional about. I want to learn from him, or I want to follow that couple, or I want a family like that. Well, I don't know them. Well, then get intentional about it. How do you do that, you know? You, it, there's, you do it for the sake of progress. And if you do this in business, we do this in finances, we do this in sports, we do it in all other arenas of life, but we sometimes don't do it in our church family. We, are, we, we have to be intentional about it because good relationships don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You don't have to be a fool. You can just be a companion of one, and you suffer the shrap metal of their you know, foolish behaviors. But if you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. I believe the, the, that small groups that connect are the best place for you to grow in your faith. And, but but you've got to do something. You have, to, you have to be willing to take off the mask. Everybody say, take off the mask. Romans 12 says this. Since we, uh, we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the other people. And, and so turn to your neighbor and say, you need me. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, you need me. All right, you need me. For some of you, that's the most intimacy you had all week. <laughs> a guy in the back just got a date. Anyway, somebody else got totally freaked out, you know. She was like, ew, you kidding. I don't need you, man. 
But, but we've got to get to a place in our life where we, where we take off the mask. Uh, as a family, the Fry family, we, we, we studied like behavioral sciences and, and personality profiles. But there were these two really brilliant people, Joseph Luft and, and Harry Ingham. But it used to, there was this thing called the Jahari window. And I want to use this to kind of illustrate how we, the layers sometimes that need to come off and what happens. And I believe all four of these layers that I'm going to share or levels that I'm going to share with you are actually uncovered so that you can grow in the context of a small group. I believe a small group affects these four areas. And, and uh, the first, and the, and the goal of these, of this, this science that they used to have was to, to, uh, promote self-disclosure for the sake of people growing in the context of relationships. And again, I make the case that small groups does this. And I want to define these for you and show you how, you, how, how needed relationships are and, and get you to see maybe where you're at in this kind of journey, so to speak. The first area uh, uh, is, is the, what I call the skin deep level, the skin deep level. This is kind of uh, Johari window, they call this the arena. This is the public self. I know and you know part of you. The I know and you know. This is, this is the surface me, the skin deep level. You're seeing the skin deep level of me. I'm not letting you see the, the inside of me. And, 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 and you, don't, you don't know what, what I know, and you're not probably going to know, some of you. <laughs> you know. And, and so if we have that, if we, if we are at that level, here's what we need. This is in your notes. Here's what you need. You need people who really know me. I need people who really know me. Not everybody needs to really know me. I'm a pretty transparent personality to the point of, of fault sometimes. But, but somebody re- needs to really know you. Who knows what's really going on inside of you? 1 Corinthians 2 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In other words, there's a part of all of us where we can't, we can't see. And I believe all of us need someone who really knows us. And this, this first area is very personal to me as a pastor because I want to go to bed at night as a pastor in this church knowing that you have somebody who really knows you, preferably in this church, who's sitting under the word, who's connected, who's in relationships here. Because who's going to be there for you? I was just visiting uh, some loved ones in our church that just had a baby. You know, I can't, I can't visit all the, so many babies born in this church. It's unbelievable. There's a lot of love going on right here in this church. It's amazing. It's amazing. Have a relationship series, everybody gets pregnant. You know what I mean? <laughs> Marriage retreat comes up, everybody's, oh, we're going to have babies. But wh- who's going to be there for you when the baby's born? Who's, who's there when your relative dies? You, you know, you lose your job. Your kids have a, you know, have a tough day or an accident. You, there's a big fight. So my family, well, some of us don't have family, and some of our family does not, does not meet or measure up. We say this all the time, is that sometimes your spiritual family will outlast and outperform your biological family. I'm not against family. I'm not trying to divide family. I'm just saying, can your family really give you sometimes? Listen, don't answer this out loud because your family might be here. But can your family really give you sometimes the support you need in those kind of tough times? That's why you need to be intentional about the relationships that you have in your life and get around people who can actually help you, actually build you up instead of tear you down. I was talking to you know one couple. They're sitting on their way to have the baby and and she's, 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 she's delivering the baby practically. I mean, she's, she didn't know it at the time. She was seven, you know, she was, at, she was at seven centimeters. She didn't even know it. And she's not saying a word. She's totally silent. And she's worried about her mom in the back seat. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not the kind of family you want there. You know what I mean? 
You want somebody who's like, you're not worried about them. They're, they're carrying you. Oh, this is better preaching. I don't know. We'll say, well, I don't need that. You know, I got my family. Or isn't that the church office job? Listen, I hope we're past that at this point. Can I say that? It, that doesn't work long term, people. It's, so, it's supposed to be more organic than organized. And so people who don't know you care can't care for you like someone else who's really connected to you can care for you. And I think the lion's share of pastoral care is supposed to happen biblically and otherwise in the context of a small group. And it's, you know, in two decades of ministry, the best place to care for people is when they're in a small group. I, I don't really feel responsible pastorally for people who are not connected in a small group because I don't think God could possibly hold me responsible for all the people. And then not to personalize this, but I, I just, I want you to see the contrast. You know, it's big. All right, here's the next level. This is the IC level. I see level. I know, but you don't know. I know, but you don't know. I know I got some stuff, but you don't know. We all have a side no one else knows. And here's the problem. Consider this. You're not safe if no one else knows. And, and I'll budge on this one a little bit when it comes to small groups, but you don't even need a small group for this. You, you need one person in, in your life who knows everything about you. I just submit to you the path to get to that one person is through small group. In other words, small group is the, if you looked at our logo, we have these four circles, people just think it's like the Olympics or a caterpillar, but it's not. I shouldn't have said that because now you all think that all the time. <laughs> Delete that, okay? It has a much bigger meaning than that. But, but each circle represents a transition, a, a path, a journey. We're taking people on from public space, through social space, through personal space, to private space. It's in this personal space, this small group, where we move into this arena of private space, the, the naked you, the real you, the under-the-hood you, where you get maybe one person in your life, maybe a couple if you're blessed, maybe three if you're just, the Lord's been generous, who know everything about you. And it is in that place where transformation takes place. And, and, and I don't know about you, this is fill in the blank, but I need people who, who, where I've got there who protect me. They protect me. It's, it's bigger than cordial Christianity. How you doing? Blessed. How you doing? Blessed. Praise God. Blessed, 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 blessed. And just kumbaya and Doritos. It's way more than that. Way more than that. It's a place to take the mask off. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, we refuse to wear masks. Say, I refuse. Come on, say it. I refuse to wear masks and play games. Then it says, rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. All right? And you don't do that with everyone, but you should do it with someone. And you, why? Because you'll get free doing that. Free from what? Issues. I don't have any issues. Well, then that's your issue. You have issues. All you got to do is play sports with someone for about 15 minutes, and you'll see the issues you have. All you have to do is play a board game for about five minutes. All you have to do is dance with someone in ballroom dancing and watch who's really in charge. All, I could go all through a whole bunch of stuff, watch them in the grocery line, watch them in traffic. People have issues, tons of issues. And so if you want to get free from all that, then you, that's, that you say, well, that's Jesus' job. Not really. Not really. Not really. He forgives, but it's confessing that through that, that we're changed. James 5, 6, 16. It's in your notes, I think. Confess your sins one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. That word you could say, changed. So in other words, if you want God to forgive you, if you, if you want forgiveness, tell God. If you, if you just want that, 
tell God. But if you want to be changed, you have to tell somebody else. You got to talk to somebody else about it. It's important. Number three, blind, this is kind of the, 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 you can call this blind spots, or I call it the backside of the head level. So we got eye level, backside of the head level, all right? We got the skin deep level. This is the I don't know, but you know. This is, this is the people see what we don't see. There's a blind spot. Everybody has a blind spot. Everybody has a backside of the head that they cannot see. You know the, 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 the spinach in your teeth, people. You know what I'm saying? The people got that spinach in their teeth. They look like they just got off a of hee-haw. You know what I mean? Like they're, they, they're getting ready to do a show for hee-haw. You know what I mean? They, they, we need friends who tell us we have a hanger. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> friends don't let hangers hang. They don't leave you hanging when you have a hanger. All right? That's tweetable, but don't put my name on it, okay? Uh, <laughs> I remember years ago doing a funeral, and, 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 and I'm, I'm on stage just like this, and, and there, there were 300 people in this funeral. Big, big, big funeral, and my, my best friend came across the front of the stage, and, he's, and I, he's looking at me, and I'm like, what is he doing? He shouldn't be walking. I think maybe he needs to go to the bathroom or whatever, and he's going across like this with a zipper. He's doing like this with me. And all of a sudden, I catch on what's going on, and I'm like, oh, and there were a whole bunch of people behind me, and so I turned around and made all these people my small group. Excuse me, one second, everybody. One second. <laughs> you need friends like that that help you see what you don't see. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? I need people, this is in your notes, who will be honest, who tell me the truth, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You need people saying, dude, stop acting like that. What are you thinking about? Most of us, we never, we don't have anybody. We have people. I look at American, I call it American Idol disease. I look at this show. I watch, I'm watching it again because I love music and I love listening to people sing and I like thinking that maybe I could make it and all that kind of stuff. And I do. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, if I wasn't, you know, 40-something, I would probably go for it. But, uh, uh, you know, leave, you know, the church to Deej to run for a little while and just go do it. But anyway, I, 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 I can't believe how many people get all the way on national television for somebody to tell them you can't sing. It's like, help a brother out, help a sister out. How did that happen? We need somebody to tell us some things, direct us. Number four, I call this open surgery level. Open surgery. I don't know, and you don't know, only God knows. You may ask, what does this have to do with small groups? Well, I believe God devised a plan that, that you would or could reach your potential in the midst. Everybody say the midst. Where two or three are gathered, there is God in the midst. It's something supernatural that happens when we gather. Who cares what the reason is? As long as we gather in his name, something happens in the midst. I'm not really all that worked up about what kind of group you do. Just group in his name because there he is in the midst. It's, and he will reveal in the process of that grouping potential. Things you can't see, they can't see, nobody could see. It happens there. The same is true if you're in, a, you're in a dream team, for example. That's why we have it, because we believe together everyone kind of accomplishes more, that the sum is greater than its parts. These are all things God, by his design, made there for us. There's an old proverb that says, when you run alone, you may run fast, but when you run together, you run far. I'm trying to get us to run far, to see more, 
to, to embrace a bigger picture. But, but the, 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 there's, there's challenges with it, and, and there's, and, and, but there's opportunities at the same time. You can't grow outside of relationships, according to the Bible. Stand your feet and let me, uh, let, let me fill you, give you two more fill in the blanks for those, those C personalities that are dying right now. I need people who challenge me to grow. I need people who challenge me to grow. And I trust God to see what I can't see. I need people to challenge me to grow. And I trust God to see what I can't see. Let me pray for you because I'm over. The leaders are freaking out at the back. We have another service and people coming in here. And I proved Vanessa's point. That's an inside joke. Anyway. A man of many companions, the Bible says, may come to ruin. You can have lots of friends, but it's not enough. But the Bible says there's a friend. In other words, you can, you can, who sticks closer than their brother. You can be in a crowd and no one knows us, but there's a friend that, that, that we can know that, that's closer than any brother, any person. And so really it all starts, no matter what, again, if Jesus is in the midst of this, it's not, it's not going to accomplish what we call it to accomplish. But God wants us to connect to him, his people, and each other. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you? I'm just going to pray over you this morning. Just receive this. Father, I pray in Jesus' name with every bit of my pastoral office that you plant inside people's hearts the importance of being a part of a body, God. Our vision is to connect people, God, to you more than anything, and to your people to a church family, God. If somebody here is not in that place and has not experienced that, Lord, would you just help them take an inventory of their lives and look at the situation. Make a decision. Today. I'm going to move other stuff, but today is important. This week, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I'm going to talk to somebody about, about grouping. Who cares what it is? I just need to group. I need to be with other people. And just commit to it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did you give the Lord a big hand clap around the room?